Welcome to On the Road to No Place Left, where we're seeking to share the gospel, make disciples, and reproduce leaders and churches until there is no place left where the name of Jesus hasn't been heard. This is Feeney, working with Jeff Sundell on Season 3 of On the Road, to answer the question, what does a movement leader look like? In this episode, we talk with Kumar in South Asia. This original interview was an hour and a half long, but I selected out the juiciest parts for this 30-minute episode. Along with this episode, I'll publish a bonus episode that includes that full hour and a half version. Also, you can check out the show notes for a link to Kumar's story of starting in movement and a recent story of how he's seeing thousands come to Christ during the quarantine. You can find those show notes in your podcast app or at ontheroad.feeney.com. That's on the road, all lowercase and together, dot P-H-E-A-N-E-Y dot com. If you have any questions or feedback on this episode, you can reach me at 321-209-3899. This podcast is open source, so if you'd like to re-release the following interview on your own channel, please contact me. All right, let's jump in. Actually, all my work and how I came up when I tried to listen, like, think it's all God put me in the right spot. Mm. If I had been teaching say like ninth grade, 10th grade, probably I'll not be doing something like a hand motion mm. or a little, you know? Yeah. Everything, he was, actually Jesus was equipping me from before and brought from the darkness yeah. and he was equipping side by side and put me in the right spot. You know, while I was teaching as a teacher, the principal, after a couple of years, he pulled me down from the teaching staff and put me in a clerical work in office. Mm. I had a big question mark. Am I not teaching well? Am I not doing well? Am I not loving the kids? Why I should be in the administrative work? No idea. Mm. But now I'm realizing that God was using me, putting in a spot, because I need to learn for this day. Mm. Now, I was teaching in a lo- lower grade, so more hand motions, so I'm using more hand motions, South Asians. That's great. I'm creating a lot of hand motions. Now, I have 156 master trainer who have seen not less than 500 churches. These people, I need to do administrative work now, strategy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, all this thing. And then I was dealing, I was trained on accounting. And I was, I wanted to go to Bible college so many times. Ten churches I asked sponsor, nobody gave. Mm. But I ended up in commerce. So now I'm realizing why I ended up in commerce. Because I'm dealing with funds. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I desired something, but God put me in a different spot. Mm. Never realized the outcome. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm now I'm so grateful that I've been to Commerce College. I'm so grateful that I was given the privilege to teach class one. I'm so privileged that I got a work in a administrative office. You Great. see? Yeah. Earlier, nothing, none of those was satisfied my heart. I, I did not come with my choice, but God sent me to this world. Such a 
interesting time um, we're living in. And uh, man, God's using you in an amazing way now as he was in what, 2006, 2007 and before. I, I just, just, you know, came to know you then. But what I thought would be real helpful is, man, just share your story. There's some people who know your story. But man, take a few minutes and just share your story of what, you know, you know, God put a vision on your heart uh, long before anybody ever met you and talked about church planning movements. So coming back in 1995, like I, I wanted to go to Bible college, but but at that time, nobody showed me a Bible college. So I had to uh, weep by myself saying, how will I share? How will I share the gospel? So there was an evangelical conference where some foreigners came and they were teaching from U.S. side. And I didn't have money at that time. So I went on the last day, last session to go and watch from the back door. And the speaker made an altar call. He was sharing about unreached areas. At that time, there was only unreached areas. He was showing Himalayan regions, Nepal, Bhutan, West Bengal. So I had a heart to go in front in that altar call, but I realized that I don't know anything about Bible at that time. So thought let me let me meet the speaker. So after the end of the conference, I went and met the speaker, and speaker taught me. Um, he was he was pleased to see that I want to share, but I don't know. So he shared before Christ, life after Christ, and how you met Christ. And then he gave me four verses, Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, and Romans 10.9. So I took that one in 1995. Use me, Lord Jesus. Use me. I want to be used by you. So I was sharing it, but my heart was always ringing in my ears. The Spirit was saying that unreached areas, unreached areas, Himalayan, Himalayan. I, one day I sat, sat down on my table and I started praying. I wanted to go, but I don't have that much of money. So I asked for a job, and after a week, I got in one of the best schools a job. And then I got a month of salary, and I took that salary, you know, and I said, well, this job was given by you, so I'll keep 50% for your mission, and 50% I'll keep it to myself. So I used that in 95, and for after six months, we get a holiday of one month. As it's called a summer vacation. It's really hot. I took that six months saving of mission money from the salary that I got and went straight to West Bengal. And still the churches exist now because I went uh, there, stayed for a month and uh, shared the gospel. I get about four to five people except Christ. And I asked, can you spare a piece of land? Like in one day, we make a building a small house uh, with a bamboo roof and teach it. And then the next day we worship and they say, who will take care of us again? So we keep our friends or some pastor to pastor there and give it to some organizations to take care. The speaker also said, you need to target some goals. So I got the idea during the conference that uh, we'll target 100 churches by 2020. That was in 1995. So I was doing this and I went on doing this up to 2006. And in 2007, January, uh, always I pick up January to see where I should go. 
and how I should be praying and where to look. So I used to make some math in January month, first month of every year. So when I was making it, I realized till 20, uh, 2006, we planted only 11 church. Then I again, it ring in my ear like, well then, uh, 89 church left to plant by 2020 and we have got only 13 years left. So what shall I do? So I had to kneel down and pray and ask for Jesus to send some resources or some ideas or plan. Uh, so I was thinking on that line and I was praying six months. After six months, uh, I met uh, one IMB guy. Uh, he's my mentor still. So he was on the town and he was training. I saw him drawing four fields, you know, and he said, Mark 4, 26 to 29. And then I was thinking, I'm doing correct. I'm doing right what the Bible says. But then when he came on the third, he said, when they accept Christ, what we need to do? We need to spend time with them and teaching them all the commandments. So they use the seven commands. And I got shocked at the time. Well, I'm not doing this. But the scripture says this. And But I'm not doing this. And then he said, that's how we get church permission. Oh, then I said, I'm doing all shortcut. That's the reason I'm not being able to fulfill the commitment. But when you do the church formation, what do you do? Do you eat all? He said, no. We keep some for the next seasons. So where are the laborers come from? From the harvest. All these days I was thinking, it's me who is the laborer. But whereas I'm supposed to find a laborers from the harvest. Then he said, is there anyone to give a testimony in these three days who I've learned? I was the first one to go on the stage, you know, to share. But then I shared uh, first field, second field very thoroughly, even though I was not there because I was doing it. Then I said it was third and fourth is the one which God spoke to me, these two fields. Then Nathan pulled me. He asked me to spend more time. So I took leave from the school. I went to him and studied about CPM. And I said, I'll not go to, uh, you know, Himalayan now. Let me try myself first. How does it work? And then I will teach others. I'll go outside. I shared this story nearly 50 homes for the first, first week. Nobody accepted Christ, you know. <laughs> so I was like, this thing will not work or what? Like, so I had to kneel down again. I said, Lord Jesus, if this scripture is real, if Mark 4 is real, that's what you have said from your mouth about this kingdom. Give me some people who accept Christ and so that I can disciple them and form a church. I asked the whole day, that was a Sunday, and I, the next day I saw one person coming to the Lord. Nearly 380 ohms I knocked in my surrounding area, and I got 14 people. It took one month. I got 14 people, and they were all living in a far away, and I thought of, I realized that it will take more time to visit 14 houses every day. So I brought it home in my home. That was an awesome time. And then I said, hey, this is a church, and we are meeting here. I explained to them, and this is what we are going to do. Can you, can you share this gospel and then you can bring your neighbors to your home? Is it possible? They said, yes, it's possible. 
So how about I'll train you from tomorrow? Will you be able to come? All 14 of them said, yes, we will come. So we decided two hours every day. We trained all 14. In, it took us one month again. Sometimes one comes, sometimes three comes, sometimes five comes. Sometimes they don't come. New five people come. So it was a great challenge. But I didn't give up. I didn't give up. I, I, I tell God, Lord, I need to train. You gave 14 people. I need to train 14 people. So I called them all 14 people and we counted and we saw 100 churches. And I'm thinking, where should I go next and start these churches again and so that we'll have 100 more like that. But then God spoke something in my ear saying that, no, you need to train 100 churches to plan churches. So I was like confused. How will I do it? My money, my saving is not enough to train. So I discussed with my wife and the first car van is very old. So we sold it and we got 1000 US dollars. And we used that money for training all the three churches. And we asked, how many churches do you think in these new churches can plan in one year? So they said, at least three. So we give the casting a vision, plant three churches, plant three churches. We saw 432 churches in 2008. That was beyond what we have imagined, you know, what we have set the goal. And in 2009, uh, we sold our car and we had a home away home business. We sold that and I gave away my clothing business also, books business also, because I need a lot of money to train 432 churches. Uh, when I gave away my job, I got about 3,000 US dollars, with including all those things we trained. And then we saw 1,268 churches. And then I showed my resignation letter to my mentor. He got shocked. Hey, you gave away your job. You gave away your business. You gave everything. And said, I said, what to do? It's already thousand plus churches. Uh, they need me more. I need to concentrate. I need to develop this. I need to make leadership development. All those things. That's what, and plus, I don't have money. So all I have, that's what I'm going to give. My mentor, immediately he took the phone and he called up his pastor in home church. And then pastor decided to give some funds so that the continuity would be there to sustain the training. And when I started getting it, all those things, funds, we saw about 4,800 churches. So we crossed 5,000 in 2010. And our house churches is not a big number. It's 10 to 15 people only we gather. Some areas, uh, the very difficult areas, we are started gathering five now. 2018, I visited London and then I heard the voice that movement should give birth a movement. Yeah, so that really touched me. And now I'm pursuing movement in neighboring countries and other countries. Kumar, what would you say are some of the minimums you look for in a movement leader? and then some of those maximums that you try to develop or the maximums you'd like to see in these guys that you've trained up to continue leading movements? Our maximum is like we, we love the lost. First thing is we love the lost and we have more of prayer and fasting. And we do a lot of sacrifices. Whatever we have, we sow the seed. And we have a maximum of perseverance. 
we know that the outcome is always a success. And our maximum is also we believe in our visions. Whatever vision we get, we believe. Like Lord said, uh, 50, then we believed. So we got 50, 64 we got. When first vision was 300, God gave me 432. So we believe in our vision that God will accomplish. And third maximum we have is fatter. We call fatter because uh, uh, faithful, available, teachable, and reproducibles. Then if you ask for minimum, minimum is like mark four, 26 to 29. That's our minimum. You learn this, you will see a church. And not only a church, but reproducing churches. That is going to lead you a movement. Then we read X18, and that's that's every time people used to carry in their mind X18. And minimum, how it came into my mind is like I saw a farmer sowing very little, but they harvest a lot. So I took the role of a farmer and I said, let's read the characters of farmers. So I work like a farmer. That's why I see a lot of harvest. If you don't become like a farmer, you will never see a harvest. We need to become a farmer. Farmer is a hardworking. Farmer live very simple life. Farmer, he always believed that he will have a harvest. That's why he sowed the seed. He doesn't sow blindly. He knows that what harvest is going to harvest. So he has that faith. So plus he doesn't live very high standard. He wears simple clothes. He, he doesn't have that big cars and everything. He always hopes that if I harvest this, I can live for a year. So something like that. Uh, that's how the kingdom of God grows. One thing, um, you, you've met a, a brother named Bill. Bill and an, another friend of mine, uh, Bruce Carlton, used to say a word about holy discontent, a holy discontent with the status quo, you know, and, and you know, hearing your story, you know, God gave you a vision, 100 churches, and you had a holy discontent. And, and I, I even remember, you know, you and I were down in Christagiri years later, you know, after all of God's done, and there's still this holy discontent with the status quo for you. You're thinking about every people, every place. Could you just share one, a little bit about yourself and this holy discontent that God's put in your heart, but also what's some of the things you've seen in some other brothers and sisters in Christ? There's a leader name called Jesudas. He didn't have any idea about UUPGs. But when I shared about UUPGs, right, he was overwhelmed and he never realized Revelation 7, 9, and 10. I explained very nicely. And then I said, uh, we cannot be confined with only with our own people group. How are we going to reach other people group? So it really touched his heart and then he began to share with other people group. And then he moved from one place to another place. Now, when he saw other people coming to faith, his vision also grew bigger and bigger, just like how the Lord made bigger vision 
as I was proceeding years by years. I'm very pleased with him and his vision is growing a lot. He has a heart to see 500, 500 like him. I didn't tell him to have 500, but he has the big, I always said, hey, all our leaders have big visions, big visions, but start with small. Just like Jesus, he had a big vision, a massive vision to reach the whole world, but he started with 12. So who are your 12? So you, we may not become like Jesus, but who are your two? I know you have a particular pattern or of a way you develop character and integrity with your leaders. Could you just share a little bit about what you do to develop their character integrity? What, what does that look like? The first thing is I walk along with them. I do the training, but most of it, 75%, I tell them to do it. So I'm always standing behind watching them doing it. Many, many days, even the short-term team, when they come, I do the same thing. First, they learn from me in my house, but on the field, I watch them doing it, and I used to correct. Sometimes my correction is hard because I love the kingdom growth. I want to see job done. That's why I'm hard. But compassion is on one side. When it comes to teaching and teaching the people, I'm a little bit hard. So I. Mostly I sleep with them, I eat with them, I walk with them. More of compassion and character is developed when I stayed with them. I prayed with them. Then I take the devotions along with them. The devotion is like uh, every day, one chapter from Proverbs. I love Proverbs because in one month you can finish the Proverbs. If you know the Proverbs, your whole character will change. So I always tell them, read one chapter from Proverbs and one chapter from the New Testament. Start with John so that you will know. Because most of our master trainers, they came from the different religion background. That's why I want them to know about Jesus very well. And then after finishing the Proverbs, they can jump into Acts. So that's the time generally they are on multiplications. So we study one chapter of Acts and one chapter from any books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So this has been, they are doing it. And actually I did not change any of the characters. They studied by themselves. They use the, uh, the sword Bible study method. What we learn about God, what we learn about man. Is there a scene or example to avoid? Or is there a command to obey? This is the basic, very simple. And they discover by themselves and the spirit of God is changing their hearts. Is, is the word of God changing their hearts? And the other thing is, from my side, is just the compassion. I encourage every time, even if they do a mistake, I said, hey, good job, but you need to do this. You, you tried your best. I never discourage people. I always said, hey, you did a good job. Many people, they question me. Even if we do wrong, you always say good. Why? Because you try, you obey. Anybody who obey, I will say good. 
you know, one of the other things I know um, you're passionate about, and it, it challenges me, is your vision to reach every people, every place by 2025. Back a long time ago, 1998, 97, the three, four movements we were looking at tended to be Anglo missionaries from the West. Um, today, man, there's many, many movements, and we're looking in the rearview mirror. But man, they're African, they're Middle Eastern, they're Asian. So most of the movement leaders actually don't look like me, a big fat white guy um, from the West. Um, they they look like brothers and sisters like you. What would you share with um, No Place Left? Whether they're from India, whether they're from Laos, Cambodia, Thailand, Africa, Middle East, Europe, what, what would you challenge them to do? I will say that whatever you do, keep doing it. That's all is going to finish the rest. Never stop. I was just doing it. Sometime there came a point in 2010 when I had nothing. I realized, should I give up? But my wife said, no, you are doing good. Just keep going. When I started dreaming that movement should take birth in next country, immediately I got an email about 10 days later that one of my guy, he went to Thailand, became a missionarist. He wrote a letter to IMB and they directed to me because I am from the same community and I know the language of that person. And then I went. I was given my flight ticket, everything. I went and trained. And now what was the outcome, you know? The whole of Asia, there is called a team organizations. The whole of Asia heard what is kingdom of God means, what a house church means. And they all started churches. I'm not big with, but at least 510, 510, even in the communist countries, all started. So I'm still coaching them. Even Bangladesh started. So I never thought that this will go in a big way. That's why I said Asia, no place left. And when people heard from Cambodia, Vietnam, people started calling me. If you don't do the work in Jerusalem, don't expect end of the earth. So no place left does not mean only Jerusalem. No place left means end of the earth, the whole world. It's my request to NPL guys. Work hard. Keep doing it. Never give up and expect you are going out. Expect you are going out of the country. If you don't expect, means you don't have a heart for other people group. Let's, let's carry the heart of Jesus, not only the message of Jesus. Many NPL guys are carrying the message, good, but are you carrying the heart of Jesus? If you're not getting the heart of Jesus, you will be miserably fake. 
Let's carry one hand message and one hand heart of Jesus and walk in this world. We will see no place left.